Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for braving the snow and coming out to join us today. If you've got a Bible with you, uh, I want to invite you to take it and turn to Psalm 23 uh, in the Old Testament. If you want to use one of the Bibles uh, around the room, maybe you picked one when you walked in today. Uh, it's page 382 there, and uh, we'll also have these words on the screen so that we can follow along uh, together. You know, for the last few weeks, we've been in this series called The Valley because the reality of life is this. We, we know that the harsh reality uh, is that life can be hard. Uh, life can be difficult. It can be challenging. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you call yourself a Christian or not, how often you're around church or how long it's been. Uh, life's tough. And, and the reality is this, that we all have or uh, will struggle through seasons of life. They're going to feel a lot like a, a deep, uh, dark sort of valley. And I, I think you probably know the place, right? Uh, we all know the place. Uh, we, we've been through difficult seasons and times of life before. It's, uh, the, the valley is this. The valley is, is one of those places where things like uh, grief uh, threatens to consume us. It, it's a place where anxiety can start pressing in on you. Uh, the, the valley is a place where fear uh, can, can get a hold of us, where, where things like depression and, and, and hopelessness can really set in. And so uh, I'm sure we could all describe uh, times and seasons of life when we've been in the valley or maybe even some stories of what it was that actually pushed us there. Uh, see, the valley can be a, a frightening place. It can be a lonely place. And and the fact of life is this, that we're all going to go through it. But there's good news. Uh, there's good news for us. There, there, there's hope that we have. And our goal in this series has just been simple, and that is to discover that we've, have, we've got hope. Uh, that as followers of Christ, or maybe you're here today and you're brand new to all of this, the, the hope is this. There's, there's hope in knowing that there is someone that has promised that we never have to go through these seasons of life alone, that God himself can lead us through the valley. Uh, that it's God who can provide everything that we need, even we, when we go through the valleys of life. And so I want to take a moment just right here at the top, and let's just pray. Uh, let's just invite the presence of God to, to guide us today as we dive a little deeper uh, into these words, and that He might encourage us and give us hope uh, for whatever it is that we're facing in life right now. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank You for this time together today, and uh, we thank You, Lord, that we're able to come together here in this room. For every person here today, You know every person. Uh, you know, every life, you know, every story, you know, all of our circumstances, and you love us deeply. Uh, we are so grateful for the reminder of your grace and your love and your presence with us. And God, would you remind us of that today? I, I believe with all of my heart there's someone here today that needs to be reminded of that, that you are good, that you're a good shepherd. I, I believe there's someone here today, Lord, that maybe they're brand new to all of this, and they just need to see and know and and trust and believe that you are with us, that you can be with us, that you're a good shepherd. And so guide us now, guide us as we study together, guide and direct my words as we share today. Uh, and we come to you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, my family and I, we, uh, we spent last weekend uh, visiting my father-in-law in Florida. And uh, he moved this past summer down to a, a retirement community uh, just northwest of Orlando, a place called The Villages, all right? And uh, uh, get this, there are over 120,000 retirees that live in The Villages today. I mean, it, it is a small city, all right? It's this, a very large retirement community. It's an incredible place full of beautiful homes and rec centers and pools and all of these golf courses everywhere. And there are so many activities uh, to be a part of if you live there. And then, and maybe you've been to a place like this before, everyone has a golf cart, 
all right? It's this golf cart community, and everybody's got a golf cart. And I mean, not just any golf cart, but they trick them out, all right? I mean, they soup them up to look like small luxury vehicles. There are golf carts that look like classic cars. And it's a primary means of transportation for so many people. And because my father-in-law only has a two-seater, our family rented a golf cart for the weekend so we could, well, be a part of it like everyone else. And so we spent all weekend uh, zipping around uh, the villages, all right, just kind of seeing it firsthand. And there are, again, golf carts everywhere. There are golf paths everywhere. I mean, you can spend all day driving around on these cart paths. And, well, fellow Hamilton County residents, you'll be pleased to know that they even have roundabouts, all right, for these golf carts. And get this, they don't know how to use them there either, all right? And so it's not just a Hamilton County uh, thing. But because there are so many cart paths and because there are so many people out on their carts, I learned a really valuable lesson last weekend, and that is that it helps to know where you're going, right? I mean, because you want to fit in, because you don't want to stand out, right? because you don't want to cause any problems for anyone, it's good to know where you're going. It's good to have a plan. And uh, you know what? I think we could all use that same line of reasoning when uh, thinking about a lot of different areas of life, like from the relationships that uh, we've been in, uh, those that we pursue, to, to parenting, to the career paths we chase. Like, it, it helps to know where you're going, right? It, it helps to have a plan in life. And I'm guessing since mid-January, some of us are still working on keeping those New Year's resolution, resolutions. I mean, maybe you've got a, a weight loss goal. Maybe you've got a plan to, to get in shape and to, to eat better. Maybe, maybe you want to make, some, make some, uh, some much-needed changes, if you would, in your life. But unless you've got a plan, right, uh, unless you have a plan to help you accomplish those goals, well, the stats say chances are that you're never really going to achieve them because if we don't have a roadmap to get us there, it just becomes that much more difficult. But can we be honest for just a moment? Like, can we, can we just be honest and maybe just admit this, that sometimes in life, like sometimes in life, we, we don't really have a plan for where we're going right? We, we, we don't have a plan or we don't really know what we're, where we're going or what we're, what we're up to or what we want to accomplish in this life. Or maybe we'll think, you know what, I'll just figure things out, right, as life presents itself to me. Or, or maybe some of us, like, don't, we don't like plans in general because they sort of feel restrictive, right? It's almost like they're holding us back. And so all we know or the way we operate is, you know, I, I, want, I want what I want, right? Uh, or I, I know what I need or, or what I think is best. And then when life gives us an opportunity, we just go for it, right? We, we just spend our lives. I mean, if we don't have a plan, we just, we just go for it. Like how many times do we just go for it without really thinking about the long-term impact of our decisions, right? And then what happens? You know, our, our, our lack of planning and sometimes our lack of thinking, really, and even reasoning inevitably leads us to a place that we never really wanted to end up in the first place. And we're not really sure how we got there, or we're not really sure how to get back to where we want to be, or, or more importantly, where we need to be. Like, I, I think if we went around the room right now, like if we could all just spend some time sharing stories, we could talk about how this plays out in life. Like maybe for some of you today, you could describe a financial hole that you're in right now. And it almost feels like impossible to get out of. Like for others, it might be a series of, of broken relationships that have kind of felt left, left you feeling like damaged goods. Or maybe there's some pain from your past that you can't seem to make sense of. And so that pain just keeps following you around. It won't go away. Maybe it's a series of, uh, of business decisions that you've made that haven't really plan, uh, panned out the way that you hoped, or, or, or maybe a seemingly harmless habit 
has really grown into a powerful addiction. And because we, we all fail, I mean, because, we, you know, we fail to plan out our steps carefully, you know, uh, you know, again, we wander off course. Like, think about how often we, we just kind of wander off course and we get away from the things the way they ought to be or the way we want them to. And, and well, without paying attention to where we're headed, we feel stuck. Like, have you ever felt stuck? Have you ever felt stuck in life, ever felt like you're trapped in the valley, and now that we're there, and maybe you'd describe, maybe some of you would describe and say, you know, yeah, that is where I am right now. You feel overwhelmed. You don't know where to turn next. We feel depressed and hopeless, and, and life can be cruel, right? I mean, life can be very cruel, and, and when it is, I mean, the, the, the past maybe is cruel. The future looks bleak, or, or things just feel so chaotic that we get anxious, Right? I mean, think about how often we get anxious. I get anxious about what might happen next. Or maybe some of us have wandered away. We do this with our attitudes. And while we might not struggle with things like anxiety or depression, well, maybe your battle today is, is negativity. Because negativity can get a hold of us and a bitter spirit and gossiping and tearing others down with our words. I mean, it can consume us. And I, I just think this, I, so many of us know, I mean, we know what it feels like to be lost or trapped in the valley. And maybe some of you feel like you're trapped in a valley today, but, but the worst part about realizing that you're lost or the worst part about feeling like you've wandered off course is that there typically isn't a quick fix, right? There isn't a quick fix to get, to get, get you back on track, because especially if you think about all the time that it took to get you there, like it might take some time to get back to where you want to be or need to be, and in fact, probably some help too. Uh, it often takes some help to get us back to where we want or need to be. And so that's what we've been talking about. If you're new with us today for these last few weeks, we've been walking verse by verse through Psalm 23, uh, a chapter out of the Older Testament, the first half of our Bibles. And Psalm 23 is one of the most familiar and probably frequently quoted passages in all of Scripture. And Psalm 23 just begins like this. You probably know it. All right. In verse one, David says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And what we've learned so far is that, that the same God who created the heavens and the earth, the same God that we believe created the universe, like he wants to be not only our shepherd, he wants to be your shepherd, right? He, he wants to be our shepherd, one who cares for us in a, in a personal and in an intimate way. And last week, Ben pointed out that just like any good shepherd, God wants to provide for all of our needs. And as we're going to see today as our good shepherd, he's committed to pursuing us and finding us and helping us come back when we've been lost, when we've wandered away, when we've wandered from the path. In fact, look at what Psalm 23, uh, verse 3 says. It says this, David writes, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now, if you're like me, you might be wondering to yourself, like, what does that have to do with, with helping me when I've wandered away or when I've, when I've kind of gotten lost in life? Well, it might help if we spent some time looking at a few specific words here that we see in this verse today that this writer of Psalm uh, chose. And so let, let's first look for a moment at the word soul, all right? You probably have the word soul in your Bible. You see it on the, the screen. Have you ever tried to explain to someone before what your soul is? Like, like it's easy uh, to think about our soul as that immaterial part of who we are, right? It's the immaterial part of who we are. But the Hebrew word that is used to describe soul here actually means the whole person. It means your, your body. It means your, your spirit. Again, it's your soul. In other words, your, your soul is everything that makes you you. All right? It's everything that makes you you. And so if you look back at verse 3, right, it could read, he refreshes all of me. 
All right, that, that's the work. We've been talking about that a little bit last week. That's the work that the good shepherd wants to play for us. He, he refreshes all of me. That sounds pretty good, right? We could probably spend a lot of time talking about what that refreshment looks like. And again, if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go back and check out that message. One of the things I've learned in studying this passage is that the English word we translate as refreshes actually comes from this Hebrew word shuv, all right? Check this out, which literally means to return. Uh, it means to, to bring back. It means to restore. It means to, to repent. And while, while most English translations of Psalm 23.3 say, He refreshes me or He restores my soul, the idea then behind verse 3 is that as our good shepherd, get this, the Lord wants to bring us back. That when we've wandered away, that when we're lost, He desires to help us return and come back into relationship with Him. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been using this analogy of a, of a shepherd, again, trying to better understand the role of a shepherd, and at the same time, the sheep found here in Psalm 23 to help us understand the point that David is trying to make. And one of the things that we've learned is that sheep are known for being careless. Uh, they're known for being nervous and stubborn animals, but they're also notorious, forget this, for wandering away from the safety of their flock and from the protection of their shepherd. In fact, Get this, in 2004, a sheep named Shrek made national news in New Zealand after taking, you could say, a sort of sabbatical, if you would, from his flock. Uh, now, at first you might think, what's the big deal? Sheep probably wander off all the time. But in Shrek's case, not only did he manage to wander away, but get this, he managed to stay hidden from his flock for six years. All right, for six years he was gone. And, and, and well, here's what he looked like when they found him, right? This is it. I mean, doesn't it kind of look like a lion and a sheep had a baby, right? I mean, doesn't that kind of look like what's happening here? This is Shrek, all right? He had disappeared for, for six years, and now here's a shot of Shrek after he had a bath, right? And so they cleaned him up, all right? He's with his owner here. And so after six years of avoiding a haircut, get this, they say his fleece, his fleece alone weighed an extra 60 pounds, 60 pounds of weight that the sheep was carrying around, which ended up to be enough uh, wool to make 20 suits for men, all right? 20 suits that came from this. Needless to say, it was a pretty big deal when shearing day arrived for Shrek, so it was broadcasted on New Zealand national television. In fact, he became so popular that New Zealand's prime minister even visited him at the time. But here's the thing. Shrek's story is a funny one, all right? It's, it's funny. It's great to see this picture. We can laugh, especially because he came out alive, all right, uh, and, and a little lighter uh, in the end. But, but it'd be a different story if his rescuers would have just simply found a, a dead pile of wool, you know, I mean, that they finally came across this one day. And, and here's the thing, and one of the reasons that sheep are sheared on a regular basis is because their large wool coats, get this, can actually become a health hazard for them. Uh, because, it, it, as you can imagine, it can be so hot, and again, all of that extra weight that they're trying to carry around day to day, all right, it becomes like this overwhelming burden. And, and here's something else that can happen. When woolly sheep lay down to rest, their weight of their coat can actually cause them to get stuck, all right, in these low-lying areas on the ground, or it can actually cause them, get this, to, to roll over onto their backs. There's a term for this. It's called to become cast, right? They can become cast, and they're not strong enough to roll back over to get back up on their own feet. And once they realize they're trapped, once they realize they're lost, 
sheep will start bleating, all right? Not bleeding, but bleating with a T. And to bleat means to cry out. They will start crying out in anguish, which can alert the shepherd who is searching. But at the same time, it also serves as a signal to predators that might be lurking nearby. Now, I don't think we've, we, we have to, to think really hard to try and see how this analogy, right, can play into our everyday lives. I mean, just like sheep, we're all prone to wander away, all right, and, and to blindly chase after things that we feel like we want or need or deserve. The prophet Isaiah said it like this in Isaiah 53, 6, he says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And I'm guessing that many of you, and if you're like me, can think back to times in your life where you've probably wandered away if you, if you would. Uh, we, we've chosen our own way. Like, like here, here's how it plays out. Like, think about how often we get frustrated with God because it doesn't appear like He's listening or that He hears us or He doesn't act in the ways that we want Him to. Or our, our frustrations in life can do this. It can lead to, to bitterness. Like, I mean, frustration after frustration, and before we know it, there's this bitterness that takes root inside of us, and we complain about everything. Or we get tired of doing things His way, or we just get careless in life and let our guard down. Sometimes the pain of life will, will push us away from Him, and if our, if our needs aren't being met, then we'll go looking to other things. And that sort of rebellion, like it might be fun for a while. Like it's true, that sort of rebellion might be fun, maybe a little empowering, really, as you finally feel like, you know what, I'm looking out for myself here until one day it hits you, that the pain is still there. One day it hits you that the questions are still there. One day it hits you that nothing satisfies, that you feel all alone, that you're isolated if you would. And so often when we get isolated, so often when we're not pursuing Jesus, it's only a matter of time then before things like fear and anxiety and bitterness consume us. In fact, to the point that we look a lot like this, right? Like we look a lot like Shrek. Now, now hear me say this. I don't mean to make light of our struggles, right? I don't mean to make light of things like depression and anxiety. I know those things are real and in many cases require professional help. But, but even as you consider this picture, take bitterness, for example. Like if you're not careful, bitterness will run your life. And it won't take long before it starts rotting you and certainly influencing others around you and your negativity like like that negativity, it influences everything. You do everything that you think about. And so much of it has to do with the fact that I think in any of these, that we, we stop pursuing Jesus. We stop pursuing Jesus when He wants to be our good shepherd. Like that's what Jesus wants to do for us. Like that's what He wants to do for you and me, that when we wander, He wants to, 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 to seek us out. He wants to, to pick us up and to bring us back. And like a shear caring for a sheep, He wants to remove the burdens of the life that threaten to, to bog us down. Now, with all that in mind, let me show you one last picture of Shrek here. This was after shearing day. And uh, I don't know about you, but he looks a lot more normal and especially more comfortable once he got all that extra weight off of him. Uh, Philip Keller points out in his book about Psalm 23 that the shearing process, he said, is not a pleasant one. It's not a pleasant one for the shepherd. It's not a pleasant one for the sheep. But when it's finished, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Now, with that in mind, I want you to think back to Psalm 23.3 and the phrase, he refreshes my soul. And remember, we said that the word refreshes can be translated as return, to bring back, to restore, and repent. David writes, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. One 
commentator actually translate this verse saying he, he causes me to come back. That's what his grace and his kindness does for us. And why would he cause us to come back? Well, for starters, he's the one who promises to protect us. He says that he will provide, he will protect, and even though he knows that we're prone to wander. And I think the point that David is making is that God's goodness towards us leads us back. It draws us back to him so that we can be totally refreshed, so that we can be restored back to him and in relationship with him again. And look what the rest of Psalm 23 says. Again, David writes, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. This is a a picture of a hillside in Israel. It's not my picture, but one we found. And um, I just want you to notice all the paths etched out on the side of the hill here, if you look closely. And some of those paths run horizontally. Some of those paths run vertically up and down the hill. Uh, And so needless to say, on this particular hill, there's a lot of different paths to choose from. But think about what David says, that, that our good shepherd Jesus, that he will guide us along right paths. A good shepherd will take his sheep. He will lead his flock along the right paths. Some translations say these paths of, of righteousness. Now, again, when you see that picture, it makes sense then when you think about the terms, when you, when you think about right paths, if you would, and, and again, the shepherd's desire to keep his sheep safe. But, but like, what, what does it mean for us when it comes to following God or more specifically following Jesus as our good shepherd? Well, I don't know if you're like me, you're probably thinking, again, what these right paths are right paths of righteousness. It kind of sounds like doing things God's way or the right way or, or obeying God's rules or his do's and don'ts or something. Get this, obedience is very important to God, All right? In fact, it is required. It's required of us as followers of Jesus. But the point that David is making in verse 3 actually goes a little deeper than that. And my friend and Bible teacher Brad Gray points out that in this instance of of paths or right paths of righteousness, that what David is doing is he is referring first and foremost to our relationship with the Lord, but also as it applies to other people too. It's learning to abide in Jesus, really. And if you've been around Jesus, we've spent a lot of time talking about that. That's what David's getting at here, the importance of abiding in Christ. Like the the key to to living the, the Christian life, if you would, is all about daily abiding in Jesus. In other words, when we learn to turn back to God, especially after we realize we've wandered away, as our good shepherd, God will, he'll graciously teach us how to grow in our relationship with him so that things like our desires actually become more and more like his. All right, and before long, what he's doing is he's transforming us uh, into a better way of relating to him and knowing him and living for him and everyone around us in this world. Now, I know that sounds good and, and makes sense in theory, but, but take, a, take a moment, if you would, and think about all of the, the paths that we willingly choose to wander down on a daily basis, like these other paths that we choose. Like, I think we'd all agree that social media uh, tends to lead us down a variety of paths that aren't always the best or the most beneficial for us. Some of us have become so focused on a career path or we've become so focused on an academic path that, that we'll even allow our integrity to be compromised or we'll shut other people out for the sake of accomplishing what we want to accomplish. You know, some of us will wander down the path of, you can call it retail therapy, right? Or sports or hobbies, things like fantasy football. And again, none of these things are bad. None of these things are wrong. But if you're like me, it's easy to to look to some of those things for for fulfillment. Uh, We go looking to those things for relief, you know? And, And what they do is they distract us. They distract us from ultimately pursuing a relationship with God, which is what we need more than anything in this world or 
or, or sometimes this will happen too, sometimes we wander away from Jesus by putting more faith in our church than we put in Him. And uh, that, that, that can be true for each of us, you know, when it comes to our expectations of a church and whether that's for you, this church, or if maybe that's a church that you came from in the past, like when we start pursuing a church more than pursuing Jesus, it's only a matter of time before we will become frustrated. The Lord will allow us to become frustrated. He'll, he'll allow us to project our frustrations on these other things because what we fail to realize is that we've gone looking for a church to do for us what only Jesus can do and only what He can fulfill. And so with that in mind, take a look a moment back to 23, Psalm 23, verse 3 again. Again, David says, He refreshes my soul meaning He'll seek us out. He'll bring me back when I wander away. He, he guides me along the right paths, meaning He teaches me, if I will, if I'll humble myself, how to have a right relationship with Him and others. And then look at this last phrase. Notice that it says, for His name's sake. You know, essentially what David is saying is that God can lead us back again before when we wander away from Him. But again, He wants to be in a relationship with you, and nothing satisfies like Jesus, but, but His reputation is on the line. All right, because this is for his namesake. Like after all, good shepherds don't just protect and provide for their sheep, but they'll also go out and seek them when they are lost, even when they're prone to wander away. And so stop and just think about that for a moment. Like isn't it fascinating to think, again, that the God who created the universe and is willing that, that at the same he's willing to put his reputation on the line for you, that God is willing to do that, that when we wander and when we get lost, He will bring us back. He can bring us back. And, and so that just means that we rebel. I've rebelled. We, we blow up relationships, and He's gracious. And we give up on Him, and, and He's gracious because he, he desires to show us a better way because He loves us. And He wants others to see and experience His goodness through His relationship with you and with me and His mercy and again, it's about our relationship with Him. Let's, let's be honest. We all wander away. We've all been guilty of wandering away more than we care to admit, which, we, which means we all need to be restored back to God at different points in our life. And thankfully, thankfully, get this, Jesus knew this. Uh, and He talked about it on a regular basis. In fact, Luke 15 records three different occasions, three different stories about things that were lost right? But here's what's interesting. Before Jesus tells these stories here in Luke 15, Luke tells us who was there and present to hear these different stories. Check out Luke 15 verse 1. Jesus said, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. That's what Luke records there. Now, just in case you don't realize this, the phrase tax collectors and sinners is often used in the first four books of the New Testament, and it's used to describe people, all right, that were not known for being religious. Like, they, these weren't churchy people, all right? They, they, they weren't good enough for everyone else. In other words, these people made church people nervous, right? All right, that's what tax collectors and sinner means. But Luke goes on to tell us, that there was another group of people standing nearby listening. Verse 2, he writes, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, these were the churchy people of the day, all right? These Pharisees and these religious leaders. And like I said, they got nervous when they saw a person like Jesus talking to people like these tax collectors and sinners. And so Luke makes it clear again that there are basically two groups of people listening, hanging out here. The, you could say the, the good guys, right? And, and the bad guys, the, the people that think they have it all together and those that realize they don't 
have it all together. And so Jesus, here's what Jesus does. He uses this as an opportunity to help us better understand what He's like and what He thinks of people like you and me who get lost and wander into the valley. Check out verse 4. Jesus said this, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully, get this, puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that story sounds an awfully lot like Psalm 23.3. A sheep wanders away. The shepherd leaves the 99 to desperately search out the one that has gone missing, and he seeks until he finds it. And not only finds it, but brings it back and restores the sheep to the flock. And you can almost picture the people standing there nodding in agreement, Right? But then listen how Jesus ends this story, verse 7. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so what Jesus does here is remarkable. He takes the sheep analogy and he makes it really personal as in he makes it about people and he says, you know what? It's like this. There's a party in heaven a great celebration every time a person who has wandered away from God realizes they are lost and comes back to Him. In fact, the word that Jesus uses here is the word repent. He's talking about repentance, literally, which means to do a U-turn. And the picture is to turn away from a life of rebellion. The picture is one of turning away from drifting, from sin, so that you can turn back to God. And in that one story, Jesus gives us a picture, really, that just kind of summarizes for us the meaning of Psalm 23.3, and that is that even though we wander, He seeks us out so that He can bring us back. And even when we go looking to these other things to do for us what only Jesus can do, He helps us see that there is nothing more satisfying than a relationship with Him by putting your life in Him first. And so He brings us back so that we can follow Him on right paths, and not only because they're obedient, because they are also best for us. It's a life that is satisfying, one where He's our Good Shepherd, and we trust that He has everything we need. You know, as I'm trying to think about how to wrap this up today, a few thoughts came to mind that I just want to a close with that I think we can take away from this today. And the first thing that the Lord put on my heart was this, that, you know, just like Jesus, we have a responsibility as Christians and as a church to go to great lengths to help people find their way back to God in this world. And that's something that's been a part of Genesis' story from day one, and it will continue to be a part of our story and our legacy as we move ahead, as we seek to become a disciple-making church, as we talk about and pray and plan for future churches that the Lord might want to start through Genesis. We need to have that same passion that we see in Jesus, a willingness to seek out the one that is lost and a party and a celebration when people return to God. But I think there's also this, and certainly very personal for all of us here today, and and for some of you, it may just simply be this. Have you wandered away from Jesus? Have you wandered away from Jesus being the most important thing in your life right now? And, 
and maybe it's through some hurt and through some pain, I just want to remind you today that the good shepherd is here. Like he is here and he is here for you and, and he's ready to pick you up and he's ready to carry you back. And well, I just want you to know this morning that you may have given up on him, but I, I promise you that he's not given up on you. He's not given up on seeking you out. He's never given up on you. But the last thing may be this. I mean, maybe you're brand new to all of this and new to church and new to faith. And, and maybe in some way or in some way that you might describe, you would acknowledge, you know, yeah, I, I am lost right now. And you don't know what you believe about anything. And, but all you know is this, what, what you're doing, what you're pursuing isn't working. Like it's not cutting it for you. There, there's no drug. There's no amount of money. There's no relationship that can satisfy. I, I, want, I want to tell you today that nothing can take the pain away. All right? There's, there's nothing that can take the pain away like Jesus. And, and uh, I know you may find this hard to believe. I know this may be a huge step for you, but, but there is a shepherd. And he's the one that we sing about. He's the one that we're seeking to live our lives for. And, and he loves you. He loves you deeply, and He wants to, to lead you. And His ways, they're better. His ways are more satisfying, better than anything that you or I could ever find or discover here on this earth. Could you see yourself in the story today as the one that is lost, the one that God desires to bring back, to bring back into relationship with Him? Jesus is our good shepherd for each of us. Are you ready to be found by Him today? Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you for the promises of your word and that you are indeed a good shepherd that provides for us in so many ways that when we wander, you will graciously and through love, you'll, you'll lead us back, you bring us back, and that when we're lost, we can be found by you. And there's some, certainly some level of responsibility on our own, Lord, because we've got to open our hearts and our minds to that, and I pray that's what you would do right now as you would just open our minds and our hearts to you and how good you are and your promises that you will take care of us, that you will pro provide for us, and you do it out of love. Thank you for your love, Lord, for your love for us, for your love for me, your grace towards me. And just help us to see that there, there is nothing, there is nothing in this world more satisfying, more important than our relationship with Jesus Christ that comes before anything else. Let us see that in our lives today for every single one of us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.